0: 1 Chronicles chapter number 5. I feel like this evening that maybe the Lord, not maybe, that's a word of uncertainty, but the Lord would have something for us. And uh, now the thing about sermons and preaching is i have an inside track that i know where i'm going you don't and so the disconnect sometimes happens because i think you know everything i know you don't so there might be a little bit of walking with me here tonight but i feel like the lord would talk to us he meant his word amen glad for each and every individual is here we're glad to have Addie Mae with us We've adopted her this weekend for, for Saturday and today, and that's okay. We're happy about that. Amen. <clears throat> she has members of her family that's playing softball this season, too. So though my wife is still injured, uh, we're still going and, and, and watching the games, and so uh, we, we sit together sometimes and our children talk and so on and so forth, and So we're just glad to have her. First Chronicles chapter number five. I want to read verses one and two. One and two. The Bible says, now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. Now this is important because I just read just a small little thing there. And then we enter into this in English, what would be called a parenthetical phrase. And it's quite long, actually. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn. But for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned, which in the Hebrew basically means was not to be numbered after the birthright. Verse 2, For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. There's with intention why the writer was inspired to write this. Because he's writing about the sons of Reuben, which was the firstborn. After he's already written about the sons of Judah. In the context of scripture, when you read First Chronicles. So it seems a little weird because it seems like the emphasis should be given to the firstborn Reuben. But the Bible is telling us that they were not numbered according to the birthright. For that matter, Reuben lost the birthright. But Judah prevailed above his brethren. With the help of the Lord. The Holy Ghost tonight, I hope to speak to you on this topic. Numbered according to redemption. Numbered according to redemption. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I need you right now. God, you're able to take, Lord God, the meager words, Lord, that are said across this pulpit and let them find a spot, Lord Jesus, in the minds and the hearts of the people tonight. I pray oh lord jesus today god solomon prayed for acceptable words and i pray the same i pray oh lord god that you would verify your word lord in our hearts and our souls help us god this evening god bring enlightenment god spirit of revelation lord jesus to us lord tonight god i pray lord let it be plain god in this place lord god that we can depart lord jesus understanding we are numbered according to redemption in the lovely name of jesus christ that i pray Amen and amen. The church say, man, shake a neighbor's hand if it is, if you can around you before you're seated. That just gives me a chance to get a drink of water. Just be honest about it. That's what that was all about. A drink of water. Some of you will be familiar with some of these, perhaps whenever I say them, and maybe some more than others. But Ancestry.com, Family Search, My Heritage Genealogy Search, Find My Past. Well, that could go in a lot of directions. One great family, genealogy bank, my trees. All of those that I just mentioned to you are a sampling of family record. Websites that people commonly use to search their genealogies. Do we have any genealogy people here that like to search your genealogy? None of you. Oh, one. You'll say none of the rest of you care where your family came from. <clears throat> Don't want to dig into that mess, do you? Amen. <clears throat> A 2014 article in Time Magazine stated this that genealogy is the second most popular hobby in the United States after gardening. According to ABC News, and the second most visited category of websites. After pornography in America, it is the billion dollar industry that has spawned profitable websites, television shows, scores of books. And with the advent of over-the-counter genetic tests, and you've seen even commercials on television about them. Send your money, send it away, come back, and we'll find out if he was related to Abraham Lincoln. They almost... Has, has developed and as a result of that a little cottage industry of DNA and, and ancestry testing as a result. And so gene- genealogy searches over the years have been a way uh, through time for people or families or individuals to uh, prove their credentials in life. For some, it's being able to prove their status in life. They have been a means for Uh, person or family to obtain self-knowledge or to ward off a little bit of the identity crisis that people are known to have in their everyday lives. Genealogies were always important to the Jews, but more so after their 70 years of Babylonian captivity when their families had been uprooted and had to move from Jerusalem to Babylon. As a result, their families became splintered Family connections were lost due to captivity and and staying in various areas in Babylon. And so when we come to the books of the Bible of Samuel and Kings, they were written during the time that were pre-exile, before they were carried away to Babylon. But when we come to the book of Chronicles, as I came to you with tonight, they were post-exile after the days of Babylonian captivity. And so what that means is this, is that Chronicles was written to the returned remnant coming back home to Jerusalem who were rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding their temple, their tabernacle, in many instances rebuilding their families after 70 years of captivity. That is why that whenever you start reading First Chronicles, some of you moan and groan. Because you're trying to wade through the first nine chapters that are littered with nothing but genealogies and records of genealogies of this one begat so and so on and so forth. These are the sons and daughters. And you're really trying to do a good stab at how to pronounce some of those names in your head if you're not saying them audibly. And so when we come to uh, those portions of Scripture, that may seem like, man, this is kind of an overkill, all of these descendants and genealogies. But you've got to realize the context of everything. Families are coming back to Jerusalem that have been estranged from each other. Separations have happened. Connections have been lost. And so for the families of these, the names that are represented among those first chapters, it's very important to them. And they are held in high regard because they're trying to connect back with portions of their family that they got disconnected from for 70 years. As a matter of fact, just to underscore the importance of genealogies to the Jews and even to the Arabs, I'll tell you tonight that on one occasion in 1917, uh, there was a Mr. A.S. Kirkbride that was uh, in an Arab encampment, and he says as he was there, an Arab got up and he related the history of his forbearers, or those that came before him as descendants, back 40 generations. And that there were others that could have stood up in that assembly that could be the same. This is not them reading it off a sheet of paper. This is them by memory giving quotations to the 40 generations that came before them, telling who married who, who begat whom, where they lived, and frequently divulging what they had done and where they had wandered. Some of y'all, we can't even go back to Grandma and Grandpa, and they're going back 40 generations of people by memory who their relatives were. Amen. And the reason why this is important to the people, particularly of the Middle East, is this. A man's claim, for the Jews in particular, a man's claim to share in the covenant of God's people depended upon his genuine Israelite descent and proof of his descent. Preservation and discovery of his genealogy was almost to him a matter in many instances of life and death. A genealogy to the Jew had the power to restore him as an outcast back into covenantal society of the Israelites. Those were the first, those who that were the first to return from captivity, they needed some help in authentic, I can't even speak. Authenticating of their standing and who their family was. The Bible says in Ezra 2 and verse 59, this is the first group of people that came back to Jerusalem. The Bible says, and these were they which went up from Tel Malah and Tel Harsha, Cherub, and Adan, and Emmer. It says, but they could not shew their father's house and their seed whether they were of Israel. As a matter of fact, the Bible relays that there were 652 people that could not prove their ancestry upon return to Jerusalem. They seemed to be given the same standing in Scripture as some circumcised stranger or foreigner. Amen. But they were really Jews, but they didn't have the genealogy record in order to prove their claim of Israelite status. And so without a genealogical proof, The tribal lands of their forefathers could not be parceled back out to them. Because they didn 't have proof of their family, everything that Joshua had distributed to the twelve tribes, it would not come to them now that they had returned because they did not have proof. but Bible says in verse sixty two that these sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy or numbered by genealogy, but they were not found. Amen it says, therefore they were at, were they as polluted put from the priesthood. In other words, there were some that said our family is a part of the Levites. Our family are part of the family of Aaron. We know we are, but since they did not have proof of their ancestry or genealogy, they were kept from positions and status of priesthood because they could not be numbered according to their genealogy. The Bible says that in this episode that a man had married a daughter of Brazillai and he preferred the name of Brazili over his own. And so rather than giving her his name he took her family name upon him a very noble name amen but he took that over his Levite name and as a result he had a noble name by all human standards but he lacked any priesthood connection because they couldn't trace his ancestry they couldn't trace his genealogy there were those with lineage amen that could not be proved and so they were ineligible for serving in the priesthood they could not show their father house they could not tell whether or not amen by those that were accounting all this whether their seed had it any connection to priesthood status and since they could not be reckoned or numbered by genealogy they were denied their place their land their priesthood someone say amen Oh, we're just walking a little bit here tonight, all right? Amen. The books of Kings and of Chronicles. we got to understand this tonight for the purpose of what I'm talking to you. The book of Kings and Chronicles are written from two different viewpoints, although their content is very, very similar. Kings holds to the perspective of a human perspective, while Chronicles holds to the perspective of a divine perspective. For instance, tonight, when you read 1 Kings 14 and verse 20... It says that Jeroboam slept with his fathers. That's a human perspective. But when you read the same account of 2 Chronicles 13 20, it's relayed like this The Lord struck him and he died. <laughs> Human perspective and divine perspective. That's the difference. Highlighted in the book of Kings. You will read the story of David and all his romantic adventures. You will read about David's grief over Saul and Jonathan. Human perspective. You will read about his sin in detail with Bathsheba and committing adultery and taking Uriah's life. Human perspective. You will read of the revolt of Absalom against him. But you will not find these same stories in detail detail in the Chronicles. When you read in the Chronicles, Chronicles has taken a divine point of view. And rather than emphasizing the romantic affairs of David and, and the grief over Saul and Jonathan, Chronicles is looking at the preparation for the, ma- the material that's going to build the temple. It looks at the numbering and the distributing of the Levites and the priests. It's looking at the appointment and the arrangement of the singers and the players. It's temple-minded. It's divine-minded. The difference is one is human viewpoint. One is divine viewpoint. When we look at Samuel and Kings, Samuel and Kings portrays Israel's unfaithfulness as a failure to keep God's statutes. But when you read of these same things in Chronicles, Chronicles portrays it as not so much as them failing to keep God's statutes, but more importantly that they failed, amen, in being close to God. Or in other words, they forsook the Lord their God. The human viewpoint is that they should have done right. But God's viewpoint is that they fell out of love with me. Human viewpoint and divine viewpoint. That's the reason why when we come to our text in 1 Chronicles, chapter number 5, that is why the sons of Reuben are being accounted for in the fifth chapter of 1 Chronicles. And the sons of Judah were mentioned. In the second chapter of Chronicles. Because although Reuben was the firstborn and his sons were the firstborn. They were not mentioned first. Because Chronicles is not looking through the eye view of a human viewpoint. It's looking through the eye view of a divine viewpoint. And whenever the writer begins those little parentheses and that parenthetical phrase which was quite long, he gives us a little understanding that Reuben was born first, yes. And that he had the birthright. The birthright was always tied to the firstborn, yes. And yes, he was the oldest but he had forfeited his birthright because of the lewd deed of defiling his dad's bed. Amen. And of doing that, he lost his birthright. And the Bible tells in that chapter that it was given to the sons of Joseph but it says this and this is important for us tonight it says though the genealogy did not follow or was not numbered after the sons of Joseph to whom the birthright was given to whom it was given given to or it fell off to because Reuben did wrong it says the genealogy was tied to Judah because the tribe responsible for the loyal lineage of David the tribe responsible for eventually in the New Testament the birth of the Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ it didn't come from Reuben but it came from Judah and it says very plainly we are not reckoning the genealogy over the firstborn or natural birth order we are going to the genealogy after Judah because it's evident that even the Lord sprang out of Judah, meaning this. Genealogy isn't numbered according to birthright. It's going to be numbered according to redemption. Someone just say amen. I know I got a lot of water here to wade through. But if I didn't do this and start out, you wouldn't know a thing of what I'm talking about. Amen. Birthright, birthright was more predicted or predicated rather upon birth order than it was a person. If you're born first, you got the birthright. It's more predicated upon birth order than it is a person. The genealogy, though, the writer says in Chronicles with a heaven viewpoint, he says it's not going to be numbered according to who came first. It's not going to come according to birth order. It's going to be numbered according to redemption. Someone say amen. Amen. Think back for a little bit concerning Judah. Think back a little bit concerning the tribe of Judah. The Bible says that Leah was the tender-eyed daughter of Laban, if you'll remember. Rachel was the one that Jacob really loved, and Leah was the tender-eyed daughter of Laban. Amen. But she was given first to Jacob. Amen. For his years of service. As a matter of fact, the Bible proclaims that in the morning and whenever Jacob arose the next morning after his wedding day, he saw that it wasn't Rachel. Rachel. But instead it was Leah. And he said to Laban these words. Imagine being Leah in these shoes. What is this thou hast done to me? (laughs) Can you imagine waking up from the wedding night and your husband looking at your father-in-law and saying what in the world have you done to me? Think about being Leah for a moment. How she felt about such words. Because Jacob Loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And the Bible says whenever the Lord saw that Leah was hated, that's the words he used. Whenever the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb and had Rachel to be barren. And the Bible says Reuben was the firstborn. And Leah thought, now the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now I've had this child Reuben. And yet the Bible says she had another child called Simeon. And when he was born, Leah thought, man, God has heard a man that I was hated it and he's opened up my womb surely I'm going to get in good standing with Jacob and then the Bible says the Levi was born and Leah thought surely amen Jacob would be joined to me now as a result of this child he'll give me attention and then the Bible says another child was born and when that child was born its name was Judah and the Bible says that Leah praised God and that she left off bearing in other words can I convince or somehow submit to you tonight God had opened up the womb of Leah in order to try to find some good standing in the eyes of her husband Jacob he closed up the womb of Rachel but he opened up the womb of Leah and whenever Leah finally got to the fourth child Judah the Bible says she stopped bearing because I believe she thought I've had Reuben I've had Simeon I've had Levi I have Judah surely this fourth child can redeem me in the eyes of my husband Someone say amen. I know that Judah had his failures. I I know there were moments in his life that were always stellar. Amen. But there were other moments that surpassed all. Like the time, if you will remember, when he offered his own life as a pledge. For his brother's life, Benjamin. When they were standing before Joseph. The Bible says in Genesis 44 in verse 33, Now therefore I pray thee, this is Judas' plea to Joseph, let thy servant abide instead of the lad as a bondman to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brethren. In other words, Judah is making a self-sacrificial offer. Amen. Unto Joseph. He's saying, here, won't you take my life for his life? My service for his service. That does nothing more but picture the redeemer that was to come that gave his life for our life. Amen. That took the punishment of the cross on his shoulders so we wouldn't have to take it. And so the Bible says the blessings, Jacob's blessing upon his life was on this wise. And you Genesis 49 and 10. The scepter, he said, when he's blessing the boys, he said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. You know what he's saying? He's saying, We're not going to number according to birthright. We're not going to number according to who comes first. We're not going to number according to birth order, but we're going to number according to redemption. I've set Judah in the family for a promise. I've set Judah in the family for the purpose of giving birth somewhere in the lineage to a Messiah we're not numbering according to natural heritage or, or ancestry or genealogy we are numbering according to redemption that's why Judah is named before Reuben that's why Judah prevailed above the rest It's contrary to natural order And that is the way, if you'll note, that God operated throughout the pages of time. He says, we're not doing it according to genealogy. We're doing it according to redemption. That's the reason why Isaac trumps Ishmael. That's the reason why Jacob trumps Esau. That's the reason why Perez trumps Zerah. That's the reason why Manasseh trumps Ephraim. All those other boys were firstborn, But a second in line came forth because it wasn't about genealogy. It was about redemption. Had theirs and ours. Genealogy been numbered according to birth order. Listen to me clearly. My old man. My flesh. Would have had the birthright. But Paul McGee as a born again Christian. Of water and spirit. My genealogy is not numbered. Numbered. By what came first. Oh God. But I'm numbered. According to redemption. Furthermore. You're not numbered according to your ancestry or genealogy. What your families before you. The heritage you have before. You can trace your genealogy back. And you might find out you were part of some pretty rude and crude people. Some people are disappointed and others are surprised. But what I'm telling you is this. God says, I don't number that way. I don't care what your flesh and blood is tied to. I don't care what your history is in the natural way of life. He says, no. He says, I number you according to redemption. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. You know what he was telling you? He says, I don't care if you have the mark of a Jew upon your skin or if you don't have the mark of a Jew upon your skin. I don't care if you can trace your ancestry all the way back to Abraham. He says, I'll tell you what it's all about in Christ Jesus. It's about being a new creature. It's about our new birth experience in Christ Jesus. Jesus that was of the tribe of Judah. That's important. It doesn't matter if you have a covenant mark on your life of a Israelite. It even doesn't matter if you have the birthright of the firstborn. But what matters is this. Have you been born again of the water and the spirit? We are reckoned according to redemption. Are you a new creature in Christ? Galatians 3 and 29 said if you be Christ Then are ye Abraham's seed? And heirs according to the promise. He said, if you be Christ, then you're numbered according to redemption. Even to be a part of the family, you couldn't be a part of by your genealogy. No wonder when I read back to Nazareth chapter 2, no wonder when the priest could not qualify their priesthood by the register by their genealogy, or number it by the genealogy in Ezra chapter 2, that they would say this. He said, we can't qualify this. We can't verify this. Here it is. He said, but we're going to bring the priest. He's going to get his Urim and Thummim, which were basically like lots that would be cast for making a choice or a decision. So we're going to bring the Urim and the Thummim, and we're going to cast them, and we're going to use this to discern the will and the purpose of God for your life. In other words, you know what they're saying? If we can't discern where you need to be, what land is yours, or what office you need to serve in naturally, he said, then we're going to number your genealogy spiritually. We're going to spiritually discern where you really belong. See, in the New Testament Scripture, this whole pedigree thing had gotten out of control. In New Testament Scripture, this whole genealogy thing had gotten out of control. They had taken it too far. Because in Jesus' day, he has some Jews or even some Pharisees and others that are standing over here and saying, Lord, we are Abraham's seed. Like that's supposed to mean something. We're Abraham's seed. Others are saying, Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. See things had gotten out of hand because people were keeping their genealogy just so keeping track of every every branch if you will of the family and wanting to use that as clout, wanting to use that as evidence wanting to use that as sway but that didn't work with Jesus. They thought genealogy was equal to right standing with God. They thought their family tree was equal to right standing with God but whenever John the Baptist came on the scene he addressed that type of mentality and he said bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves uh, we have Abraham to our father. He says I say unto you uh, that God is able of these stones to raise up children of Abraham. What are you saying John? I'm saying this is not reckoned according to genealogy this is reckoned according to redemption he must be born again God's chosen is not physical birth Or birth order. It's new birth. Titus 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of, everybody say regeneration. Regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. First Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, and holy nation. A peculiar people that ye should shoot forth the praises of him that have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everybody say, I'm a chosen generation. You're a chosen generation. You've been washed, washing of regeneration. I preach this, I know somehow in the past before what I'm about ready to tell you. But you are a chosen generation because you've been adopted into the family of God. The Bible talks about the spirit of adoption coming upon us whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. You're chosen because you've been adopted into the family of God. And adopted children are chosen children. Wait now. But the word generation comes from a Greek word, genos. That's where we get our English word gene or genetics. Your genes and your genetics come from your family. They come from your genealogy. They come from your parents. But when you become a part of the family of God, there is a washing of regeneration, there is a regenos or a regening, a regenetics that happens. So much so, you, your generation refers to your natural offspring. Yes, it does. But the only way that you can be a chosen natural offspring of God is if you are redeemed in the spirit. You can be adopted and still genealogically be a part of the family because of the regeneration, the regening that God does in your life. When you receive his spirit and are baptized in his name, you're numbered according to redemption. You can't do that in your natural life. You can't get Regene to be a part of uh, Brown's family and Brown can't get Regene to be a part of the McGee family. But whenever you become a child of God, you get Regene and regenerated to be a part of his family and you are accounted for according to your redemption. Someone say Amen. Now listen, I know some people say, Brother McGee, you're just talking all around me. That's fine. That's the reason why there's a podcast that listens to it ten times if you got to. But there are some truths in here you need to digest. Right. One of the Greek word groups, the word regeneration comes from, is Janail. Anybody that's taught a home Bible study already understands what I'm talking about right now. Janeo. In the context of salvation, janeo means Born. Or birth, or as in to receive a new origin. Do you know what type of wreck that does to a family tree? When you're given a new point of origin. John 1 and verse 11 said, speaking of Jesus Christ, he came into his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, verse 13, which were born, Janao, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, which were born. What are you talking about? He gave them the ability to receive a new origin. So you can come from a bunch of liars, cheaters, fornicators, whoremongers, but whenever you receive the Spirit of God, you're accounted according to redemption and he can give you a new place of origin, a new beginning, a new start, a new place you can trace yourself back to because you're accounted not by genealogy, but by redemption. So sons of God are not so much so natural descent, but sons of of Abraham also were not automatically assumed to be sons of God or children of God because of their genealogy, not numbered, not reckoned according to their birthright, but numbered according to redemption. And those that have received Jesus Christ and those that receive the power, I wish I had a bunch of sinners in the house, and those that receive the power to redeem them are those that receive uh, a new origin and become the sons of God. It's according to our redemption. When we stand before the Lord someday, Amen. unless you've been born again of the water and the spirit, the only port of origin he has is the start of your ancestry tree. But if you've been born again of the water and the spirit, when you stand before God, you know what he goes back to? you Your new point of origin where he intersected your life. And you'll be numbered on that day as we are standing here tonight according to your redemption. Just a little bit of other tidbit, just for the sake of it, for that matter. "Janeo," that Greek word, that 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 to receive a new point of origin or to be born or birth. Listen to me. It's chiefly used of men begetting children in the Bible. Not that they gave birth to them, but when it speaks of the begets, uses the word "janeo" to receive a point of origin. It's chiefly used of men begetting by men begetting children in the Bible. It's very rarely of women begetting children. That's the reason why you see it in in context used for us being born of God, of Christ, who came in the form of a man. We've been redeemed by him, reborn by him, regenerated by him, and thus we are numbered with him. Stand with me, I won't hold you much longer. No, if you will. Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. And I'll close with this. We're numbered according to redemption. For a child that Leah had, and then she stopped, because surely I'll be redeemed in the eyes of my husband. He's self-sacrificing himself for his brethren. Another mode or act of redemption. From him would come David. From him would come Jesus Christ. So it's not numbering this in Chronicles, with a divine heavenly point of view over who was first, Reuben. No, we're doing it according to redemption. The Bible says in Galatians 4 and verse 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Look at verse five now to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because He says, "Ye are sons." God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. He said Christ came in the form of a man for the purpose to redeem those that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. What? That they might get a new point of origin, that they could be regenerated and re genetically for the family if you will of God but it doesn't stop there this is the precious thing about being numbered according to redemption he says but since they have now went from position and placement of servant to son because of redemption because of their adoption since they've been born of God that in turn entitles them to a birthright as an inheritors of his promise so we're not numbering you. So Genealogy is not going to be according to birthright. It's going to be according to redemption. But when you get according, when you get numbered according to redemption and become a son of God, guess what? You get the birthright too. We could talk about a lot of stuff here tonight. Because there was a time in the Old Testament. The king and the kingdom was separated. You had the ten northern tribes that involved Manasseh and Ephraim, which was Joseph's sons, who the birthright belonged to, which was primarily land. But then you had Judah of the south, the southern tribe, that where it said the scepter's not going to depart from him. So there was a time, for the Terry, as Israel was divided, we had the scepter of the king on one side, And the land of the kingdom the birthright on the other side but the problem is this the lord said that he divorced israel plainly says that and israel was carried away into assyrian captivity judah was carried away into babylonian captivity israel never came back there's this division an old testament word says that if a man tries to go back and marry the woman that he's divorced it could not be done so could not be done old testament law It's kind of the story of Gomer and Hosea, really. Because when we get to the New Testament, because of Christ's death, burial, but getting back up, everybody knew what went into the ground isn't necessarily the same that came up from the ground. You know what happens now? New creature has the ability to go back and marry his divorced wife now. That's long. That'd probably, that'd probably like a Wednesday night Bible study. But what I'm saying is, in by virtue of that, the king and the kingdom shoo, comes back together when Hosea goes Mary Gomer just one more time oh, God. what is that that's not genealogy that's redemption that's, that's there's people standing where they're standing tonight not because of genealogy it's because of redemption There's people that we minister to that's going to receive the Holy Ghost this coming weekend in Wyoming. It's not going to be because of genealogy. It's going to be because of of redemption. Their Their firstborn was quite a treat. That flesh was quite a treat. It taken them down roads, taken some of us down roads. Places that we're not proud of. And unless we're absolutely asked, we'd rather not even talk about thank God it's not according to what was born first amen for our instance it's who was born second or born again I'm numbered according to redemption let's raise our hands all across this place tonight Father I need you Father I need you God there are people God there may be people even right here tonight that believe that they can't make no path forward with the Lord because they have a history in their family tree they have a history in their genealogy They know where they've come from. They know perhaps where they're presently standing. And in their mind, it's like, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough to have it. But that's not the way that we reckon it. That's not the way that we number it. You can be born again. You can have the Spirit of God come and live inside of you tonight. And it can change your family tree. It can change your genealogy. It can bring an outcast into the family. You are numbered according to redemption. And the great God of glory that was born from the tribe of Judah, he is here in this place tonight. And he's wanting to rewrite the story of somebody. He's wanting to rewrite, if you will, the ancestry and the genealogy of somebody. He's wanting to give somebody a new point of origin. A new place to begin from. He wants to pray, take you from being the servant to the son and give you a birthright of inheritance that you never had before because you've changed family trees. Hallelujah. This altar is open tonight and I advise let us just come forward tonight. Let us as a group just come forward tonight. If you've been redeemed you need to raise your hands tonight and thank God you're numbered not because of your genealogy or your birthright but because of your redemption and if you've not been redeemed tonight you can raise your hands because the Redeemer is here. Yes. We need a divine perspective in this matter. of you hear me I call Thank you for listening.